Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to First Samuel. We'll continue our sermon series, and boy, we're coming coming down a home stretch here, pretty close, pretty close. That chapter thirty-one is just whoop, just a little bit, a little bit out there. I got Eddie somehow. Eddie almost uh, had some coffee incident over there, buddy. I got you with that somehow. I was just celebrating that we're kind of getting to the end. I don't know if you guys are, but uh, but we uh, we uh, this week are going to do something a little bit similar to what we did a, a few weeks ago, chapter. 25, where we sort of in the midst of all of, you know, Saul's, you know, the King Saul's paranoia and and chasing uh, David, who's not yet king, but who's been anointed to be king. Uh, in the midst of that, in chapter 25, we kind of took a break and saw this uh, this episode, this incident with uh, Nabal and uh, Abigail and with David's interaction with them. And, and then we kind of got back to the chase, so, so to speak, you know, back to the main part of the to the adventure. And then and then this week, again, we sort of take a, a step away from the action between Saul and, and David. And we see uh, Saul in a sort of encounter, I guess you would say, with the deceased prophet Samuel. So if you've ever uh, read some some science fiction or you've excitedly opened a a fortune cookie or you've, uh, you know, maybe been intrigued by the occult in some sort of horror movie or uh, ever touched a Ouija board, you will probably be intrigued by the things that uh, are in our passage uh, this week uh, about how Saul goes about seeking direction when he's not hearing from God the way that he wants to hear. From God. And more than that, we'll hopefully be reminded for our own lives, uh, on the one hand, of the beauty of having God's uh, word revealed to us, his finished word here for our understanding and our knowledge of him and the Holy Spirit opening our eyes to that word and Christ interceding with God for us. The beauty of that, uh, in contrast to the, the ugliness if you will, uh, of our tendency to, like Saul, uh, often tune God out and want to only hear God in the way that we want to hear him. So read along with me. We won't read the whole chapter. We'll start in verse three. And uh, all you need to know is that the Philistines are gathering against Saul. And if we know anything about Saul, he's frightened. Because that's what happens to him every time that the Philistines gather. And then we'll read through uh, verse 19, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 28. I'll, uh, I'll read aloud. You read along silently. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancers out of the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem, Saul gathered all Israel and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the armies of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. And Saul said to his servants, seek out for me a woman who's a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, behold, there's a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on uh, other garments and went, he and two men with him. They came to the woman by night. And he said to her, divine for me uh, by a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done, how he's cut off the mediums and necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about 
my death. She knows this is wrong, and she's afraid of getting caught. But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. And the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? He said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried aloud with a voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? The woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up and he's wrapped in a robe. Saul knew that it was Samuel and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I'm in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I've summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Saul and Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and has become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Let's pray together. A father. We ask in particular today, as we look at this passage where uh, Saul doesn't really want to hear from you the way you've already spoken to him and instead wants to find another way to hear something that fits more with his plan from you. Lord, that you'd allow us to not be guilty of that same thing. That as we look at your word, we'd have ears to hear. We'd have eyes to see what you bring to us, and that it would be good to us, we would receive it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the scenario here hardly needs any introduction, does it? If you've got a uh, frisky pet or uh, energetic kiddos or just an overbearing boss... You know what it's like to be trying to get a break, trying to get some rest, trying to have some time to yourself, so to speak, and have somebody in your face or on your phone trying to get your attention, especially frustrating if you feel like you've already answered the questions that are being asked. You've already dealt with the person who's coming after you. This is the case with Saul and with the deceased prophet Samuel. Of course, Samuel's not just resting. He's. He's already gone from this life. These mediums somehow are calling him up, uh, nevertheless. And, and we can, you know, almost picture it like a sort of a, what about Bob scene. You remember that movie from the 80s, you know, Bill Murray? And he just they just keep trying to get rid of him. And he keeps showing up at the front door. And every morning they try. They think they've got him out and taken care of. Him, and he's just back there at the front door every morning. 
Surely Samuel's got to feel this way uh, with his uh, spiritual head, if you will, popping up off of his heavenly resting pillow and uh, saying, at least in his mind, if not out loud, for the love of all that's holy, (laughs) Saul, please leave me alone. Please get away from me. I've already had enough time dealing with you while I was alive. Of course, at this point in our study of King Saul, Nothing really should surprise us about what he does when he's fearful, when he's anxious and how he responds. Uh, It shouldn't really surprise us, I guess, that, uh, hey, why wouldn't the king of Israel, of God's people, who's blessed to have God's word revealed to him, blessed to have the priest to intercede with God uh, for him, blessed to have the prophets already have proclaimed to him a faithful word of God. Why wouldn't the king of Israel, that person, go and try to find some other way to hear from God and to know God? I mean, it's almost comical. He's at it again. It's par for the course for Saul. Why? He's afraid. He's anxious again. He's lacking in faith, as we've seen all along the pathway. And to me, it sounds familiar. Sounds like me. Maybe sounds like you. As we look at these verses then today, we want to see this main idea and and sort of tease it apart, if you will. There's a a section at the back of your worship guide of sermon notes, and you'll find there this this main idea that I think kind of brings these things that seem rather strange and peculiar for us, even to find in the in the scriptures, uh, brings them home to us, helps us really apply them to our lives. And that's just this uh, concept. That when we're when we're not receiving God's word, nor resting in Christ's intercession, we're going to run around looking for direction anywhere we think we can find it. That's true, isn't it? Now, given all the the moral problems, the issues maybe in our own lives and in our society, it maybe seems a little bit of a trifle on the surface to to harp on some superstition. So big deal. He goes and tries to find some way. He's just looking for input or insight. You know, who can blame him? I guess you could say. Until we break down what's really happening for Saul and what really happens to us so often in our hearts when maybe we're not hearing from God the way we want to. Maybe he's spoken right here in black and white, and we don't like the the words that he gives us. They don't sit well with us. We find ourselves really turning away from God, turning away from his word, turning to some other pathway. It's, It's actually pretty serious. It's actually pretty significant what Saul's doing here. We'll see in this passage as we pull it apart and, and, and dive into a little bit deeper that, like Saul, we're often people, first and foremost, that, that uh, lack uh, integrity. We're, we're prone to hypocrisy instead of integrity. Like Saul, and you can see these points in your worship guide as well, we're people who tend to demand God gives us some personal revelation. When I have it just right for me, deliver it upset for me. Instead of trusting in God's finished word and really knowing God's word and walking in it, we're people that are tempted to kind of create some man-made intercessors, man-made ways to get to God instead of really cherishing 
the perfect intercession, mediation that Christ provides for us and seeking God through that. Let's take a look at how this plays out. The first thing we see is this contrast between integrity and hypocrisy for Saul. Now, verse three, again, we've seen so much stuff happen with Saul that it almost it sort of just almost glazes over. We're like, okay, well, he's he's off track again. But let's let's take a look because we're supposed to learn some things for our lives from it. Look in verse three. It says that uh, at the end of that verse, last sentence, it says that Saul had put the mediums and necromancers out of the land. Now. Uh, we probably should pause here for those of us. I had to do a little Wikipedia, a little look up here to see what these were. You know, a medium, I guess, as I understood it, is somebody who's uh, kind of speaking for someone who's dead. A necromancer is somebody who's actually trying to sort of bring back an apparition, you know, a la Ben Kenobi, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi in, uh, in Star Wars. You know, he sees the vision of him after he's gone. That, that kind of thing is what the necromancers specialize. But, you know, they're, they're sort of the same thing. Again, they're they're trying to get around the the way that God has uh, has done things and try to find some way to to speak with the dead, especially to get some other word than what was already uh, spoken. This is the first issue we see with Saul is that he had decreed that there shouldn't be these folks, that this kind of practice shouldn't really be there. And then he's going and pursuing it. You see, he dresses up. He disguises himself. You get the picture. The woman doesn't even know who he is until she gives him the word. This uh, is convicting for us, isn't it? Because the fact is that uh, most of us can maintain. Let's just take this hypocrisy integrity issue. Most of us can maintain kind of our general convictions, whatever those are. Hopefully they're informed by the scriptures and by God's truth. We can maintain those until The rug gets pulled out from under us, right? Or we get pushed up against a wall or we're stretched. Then all of a sudden, those things start to tumble. The same is true for Saul. But he's got some decree that these folks shouldn't even be doing this practice. And then, you know, once he gets put up against the wall, all of a sudden his whole perspective changes. In psychology, uh, you know, the old psychology 101 that I had back in my undergraduate years, maybe some of you all took it as well. They had this concept. You remember it? Cognitive dissonance. Will I ever remember hearing of that? Cognitive dis- dissonance is just the psychologist version of this thing, which is that we have all of us this tendency that when we do something or we want to do something that's against our convictions, what we do is instead of you know, turning away from that or repenting or ask God forgiveness for the fact that we do that, we change our convictions to adjust with our behavior. Right. It's interesting. Uh, uh, Tim Keller Uh, One of the pastors in New York that I like to read, he said this related to, uh, you know, college and high school students, but it could relate to anybody, of course. But, you know, he's talking he was answering a question about uh, young people coming to their parents and saying, I I don't believe the faith anymore. I've abandoned the faith. I've been off at college or I've heard these classes in high school, whatever. I've abandoned the faith. I don't believe that it's true anymore. And he said the first question, this is interesting, that a parent should ask their child is. Who is it that you're sleeping with? And the reason he said that was because most people aren't genuinely feeling like there's better answers out there from atheism or agnosticism. What happens to us, especially those that grow up in the church or have convictions, we go and we do something where we go against God's word, go against God's commands, and we know it. And if we're not really dwelling in God's mercy and receiving his forgiveness and we're forgetting that, Or if we just love that behavior more than the Lord and his purposes, 
then we shift our convictions instead of realigning with the Lord's word and coming to him for forgiveness and grace. I thought it was a powerful, powerful point and something for us to think about today. Integrity carries this idea of uh, like integral, like oneness. And uh, and and I think about that often in myself and how how disintegrated I, I am in the sense that my thoughts, my words and my actions don't cohere with what I believe the way that they should. That would be integrity. Right. All those things would be integrated hypocrisy, which we're all guilty of. Right. We we all we all don't exactly live up to our convictions. So we can say that right away. Is uh, is the opposite. It's interesting. The implications of this, though, and I know these are sobering things I'm saying, but look down at verses 15 on through 19 or so. You know, the only thing that Samuel has to say to Saul, what, what a disappointment this has to be. I mean, Saul has to have been I'm sorry. Samuel has to have been disappointed to see Saul show up. But when they were done with the conversation, imagine how disappointed Saul was. He gets what he's looking for. He breaks his own law about the mediums. And the only thing Samuel has to say to him is, you know what, Saul? Actually, this is just going to be more bad stuff for you and the people of God. It's interesting, especially that end of verse 19, that the whole army of Israel is going to lose. And, and boy, it's convicting for us who are uh, maybe maybe heads of household. Maybe we have a leadership role in work or maybe we have a leadership role in this church. And it is convicting this integrity versus hypocrisy thing, because the, the, the stuff that Saul's doing off track is not just impacting him. It's impacting other people that are effectively led or shepherded by him. Tough, tough to see Saul and convicting for us as well. Second thing we see in these verses is this contrast between hearing God's word versus demanding a sort of personal revelation. Now, we've got to uh, draw a contrast between Saul and us. All right. Saul's not hearing from God because he's already he's kind of built his heart is hardened. And, and sort of God has said, I'm done. Now, he, he had this huge blessing. I mean, think about the unique role. Not only was he just sort of picked out from the masses to be king, with no, you know, no particular thing on his part to earn that. But but he also is given this special thing where the prophets speak to him and tell him God's word. OK, now, now he's sort of been cut off from that. So it's happened for him. He's made decisions along the way. You know, we, we have God's word, but often for us, it's, it's just us choosing not to listen to it. Right. We sort of do that thing. You know, I, I want to hear from you, God. Want to hear from you, God? Na 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 na. God, why don't you speak? Na 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 na. You know why can't I hear you? It's because our our hearts are turning away in the same way that Saul turned away and eventually couldn't hear God. What a, what a blessing then that we have God's Spirit and the promises. You can turn with me if you want to in John chapter fourteen, and it's a reminder again for us. And just like King Saul, you just sort of sad for him because he despised the great blessing of having God's word spoken to him by the prophets. Boy, we ought to guard our hearts not to despise the, the blessing of God's word to us. Chapter 14 of the Gospel of John, verse 25, it says these things as Jesus speaking, he says these things I've spoken to you while I'm with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. 
What a beautiful thing. The blessing of the Holy Spirit over in verse uh, chapter 16, Jesus says is effectively the same uh, type of thing again in, uh, in John chapter 16, starting verse 12. He says, I have many things to say to you. You can't bear them now. But when the spirit comes, he'll guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. All right. What a privilege that we are left in darkness today. What a caution for us to to not put our hands over our ears and ignore God. The scriptures remind us in Second Corinthians that uh, those who are outside of relationship with the Lord aren't, aren't able to hear. In fact, it says God has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They're not not able to hear. So we get that. But but let me let me caution us because we say, well, yeah, well, those folks that don't believe. Sure enough, that makes sense. They don't hear from God. But boy, we ought to be careful. Turn to First Timothy if you've got to. Your, your, your hand in the in the good book there uh, still and turn over to first uh, Timothy That's all the way back in the New Testament, almost to uh, to Hebrews. there, a little little tiny book. The Apostle Paul wrote to an early pastor, uh, Timothy, and it says in chapter four, starting in verse one, it's interesting. So, again, talking about the spirit here. So the Holy Spirit's at work in all this. The spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. Oh, goodness. People depart from their faith. Must be some horrible uh, pagan people. Must be some horrible uh, folks that are just, you know, rowdy and their whole life is living in debauchery and so forth. Listen to the description here. Who's going to depart from the faith? Uh, By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons, it says, sure. And then it goes on and says this. um, Oh, goodness. On down verse four. Forgetting that everything that's created is good. Maybe I'm. Gracious, in the wrong place. And it is to be received with thanksgiving. There it is. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So these folks, their consciences, there it is in verse 2, their consciences are seared. So how do we get our consciences seared? Same kind of thing. I can't hear God. My conscience is seared. I can't receive it. It's saying, actually, it's folks that have a lot of rules and regulations to their spirituality. They're not just wandering willy-nilly. They've instead adopted this posture that if I keep these rules, keep these religious practices, then God's going to be happy with me. And we can close our ears to God that way, because he says the only way we're going to come to know God is through Christ and through his redemption. So it's not just folks that seem to be wandering away. We see it more in the Gospels as well. You remember what Jesus called the Pharisees? Pharisees weren't like uh, uh, sort of, you know, employed pastors, full time people like me. They were lay leaders in the church. They were so very zealous for God that they they really sought after him, had all these rules and laws that they obeyed and sought to obey. And Jesus called them blind guides. Remember? So you're trying to lead people somewhere, but you're blind. So it's not about how much uh, rules and regulations we can put into our life. It's about hearing and receiving God's word for us. So the question for us today is, uh, are we kind of demanding that God speak to us on on our terms in the way that we want to, or are we people that are really hearing Him? We can go in a licentious way with that, and we can go in a legalistic way with that. Both of them can be entirely false. The the pathway of hearing from God is the gospel, a gospel that brings grace and truth, that tells us we need forgiveness and mercy, and it also tells us we need to repent and turn back to God and live a life of faith. And repentance. 
last thing we see, and then we'll make a few concluding points for today. So we see this contrast between Christ interceding, the intercession that God provides, versus man-made pathways to get to the Lord. Now, we'll, we'll cut Saul a little bit of slack here, right? We've got the privilege of being able to look back through the lens of what Christ has done and, and see that he's laid down his life, that he's fulfilled that. But, but Saul had that too. You, you remember the priesthood? They had the priesthood, and that was supposed to be a huge illustration, bringing these goats and you know, lambs and so forth to be sacrificed. It was supposed to be a huge picture that we can only come to God through the way he's ordained. Only come to God through sacrifice and is fulfilled in Christ and his sacrifice. And you remember, you know, Saul had already uh, earlier. We saw it in a few several chapters earlier where where he was going and and they were getting ready for the battle. And Samuel didn't show up in that case. Samuel was still alive. He just wasn't on the scene. Now Saul's going and getting him from the dead. But you know, Saul didn't, Samuel didn't show up to do the offering. And so Saul went ahead and just did it himself. We've already seen he's got that posture of, hey, if, if God isn't going to if God isn't going to deliver for me through the pathway of mediation and interceding that he's created and designed, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. And so we see uh, the same in our own lives. Anytime we turn away from resting and relying simply on the intercession of Christ, look at uh, uh, chapter 7 of Hebrews. I don't turn there. You guys have turned to enough. I'll just read it to you. Chapter uh, 7, verse 23. says this, The former priests, talking about the Old Testament priesthood, were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. Right? you got to keep having a new priest because they, they don't live forever. And then it goes on and talks about Christ, and it says he holds his priesthood permanently. Because he continues forever, consequently, he's able to save, listen to this, to the uttermost, to the fullest distance, to the greatest degree, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Wow. What a privilege, you know, for the world that says, uh, you know, kind of let's just sort of approach God however we want to. We think, oh, uh, this sounds kind of nice. Okay, maybe we need to take into account other perspectives and whatnot. Jesus says, there is there isn't another way, you know, to go back to John 14. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but through me. And we ought to we we feel real cautious about that because of its exclusive sound in our culture today. We ought to be delighted that God's provided a way, the way for us to to know him through Christ and ought to really guard our hearts against thinking, well, I wish there was some other. Uh, some other pathway, some other thing more fulfilling than just knowing the mercy and intercession of Christ. A couple concluding application points for us. I doubt too many of us are consulting mediums on a regular basis. I don't know. It may be may be that case. Um, you know, those things are at work in our culture. We're certainly we're certainly probably more superstitious than we probably would like to admit. And there's certainly something here in these verses about, you know, instead of saying, you know, knock on wood or I got my fingers crossed saying, Lord willing, you know, in God's providence, kind of remind ourselves that it's God who's directing things. We definitely are folks that seek other pathways of revelation if we think about it. 
not not just, you know, uh, horoscopes, maybe or or whatever, the latest sort of spiritual book or, or spiritual movie. But, you know, we, we talked a few weeks ago in the uh, in the book that I read a little bit from uh, just do something about our tendency to uh, not be able to act, not be able to take steps of faith until we feel like we've heard like a direct voice from God. And that would sound like a spiritual sort of thing to do unless it happens that we're ignoring the very clear word of God that's already been delivered to us. And we just need to have faith to walk in it. Sometimes we're looking for God to tell me, you know, do something more so I can obey and actually take that step of obedience. Tell me something more. That's what Saul wants. And God's already spoken. And what we're really doing, if we admit it, is just a a stall tactic, right? Just trying to avoid it. Because we we say we want to hear from from God, but we really just don't want to do what he's already said. We see that. Boy, we ought to be careful, too, against uh, this tendency we all have to just cover our ears. Say, God, I want to hear from you, but but don't tell me stuff that I don't really want to hear. (laughs) If in that same sentence you're telling me something that brings to mind my conviction that I ought to be uh, greater and greater delighted in Christ or have greater and greater joy or greater, greater outreach to other people around me. Don't don't tell me that stuff. Just tell me the stuff I want to hear that I can sort of uh, have on my screensaver or cross stitch and put up on my wall. Just give me that stuff that seems Uh, warm and tender and not the things that maybe challenge us. And then lastly, I guess, come in full circle. uh, What a prayer it would be kind of for us as a church body. Again, Saul's, you know, again, you know, we're probably not doing the same thing Saul's doing here. So we'll we'll recognize that. But 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 what if we really were uh, desiring the greater and greater to be people of integrity? Just that simplicity of having what God teaches and what we think and what we say and the actions we do to, to align with one another and to uh, to desire that not as a as a whip, you know, uh, something we just have to do to please the ogre in the sky by and by. But something that we really have great joy in doing because we know his pathway is good. We know his pathway is right and we trust it. And, uh, and and we should watch ourselves. You know, the times that we don't do that are always like Saul, when the Philistines are knocking at the door, right? We're up against the wall, feel like the rug's pulled out from us. Those points, maybe we need a buddy, maybe we need a friend, maybe our spouse to say, hey, you know, when I'm in these spots, would you please pray for me? Would you please pray for me that I'd walk in this way uh, instead of in the pathway that we see Saul taking here today? Let's pray. Father, we are, uh, we really are grateful to be able to have uh, your word, your revelation to us. And at the same time, we confess that uh, we, we aren't satisfied with it a lot. Uh, especially if we've been around the block a few times in this Christian journey, we start to feel like, you know, it, it doesn't, doesn't seem like the spirit uh, enlightening my eyes to things in the word and pressing them into my heart and soul it, it doesn't seem as maybe satisfying as maybe it once did. Lord, I pray that you would really allow us to um, run to you instead and to delight, especially, Lord, that we would uh, rejoice that you've interceded for us through Christ and uh, the blessing that that is for us. Uh, teach us from these verses today, we pray in Jesus name.
Amen.